I'm Asan. It's Friday, and this is the Friday Show. City are back. The Barclays is back. The left-back hokey-cokey goes on. So joining me to discuss all manner of things and previewing West Ham, I've got Lloyd and Joe, and later, Mr. Howard Hocking will be chatting to West Ham fan James Jones to get their view on the game. But first, let's deal with our boys. Morning, Lloyd. Morning, mate. How are you? I'm well. I'm on holiday. So. In, a, in a store <laughs> cupboard good. in the south of France. Exactly, mate. The, the lengths we go to this for, for this podcast. Yeah. I like it. I like that sort of dedication. Morning, Joe. Morning, sir. How are we? Very good. Very good. You're not in the south of France, but you're in the south of Manchester. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, not quite as luxurious. You can probably hear the raindrops in the background. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy because, yeah. It's very hot where I am. Anyway, we, we, we will we will do less of that and we'll do we'll do more of the football. Um Cheers, guys. Joe, I'm gonna start with you. Looking you happy the season is back? Has it come around a little too quickly for you or are you ready for it? Uh wouldn't mind another week or two, if I'm being totally honest. I think mm. the end of last season was so like emotionally draining. Um mm. But you know the reality is it's upon us, and we just need to get stuck in. And I'm sure once once the games are up and running, uh, we'll be glad to have it back. So yeah. definitely, definitely. Lloyd, what about you? Come a little too early for you? No, I'm ready. Yeah, me too. I'm ready. Um, like although we obviously didn't win the Community Shield, like having watching that and playing, like no, it's not a big game, is it? Because you know, I'm not asked really about the result, but. You know, playing a competitive fixture against the Scousers that kind of got the juices flowing a bit. Um, and there's obviously been, you know, a lot of kind of chat and build up this week and been doing, you know, getting the fantasy team ready and writing a few columns. I'm just kind of getting, ooh, you know, <laughs> it's all getting a bit, a bit exciting. So um, you got singly feelings. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Exactly. Um, did you learn anything from the from the charity shield? Community you, shield. Yeah, I think I mean I did I did the review with Howard and I think for me there were, you know there are quite a few learnings. I think a few problems kind of played out but to me that all of them apart from one were quite you know they're going to get solved. There are a few things where for Harlem made a few runs kind of early early in the game looking to go in behind where our players weren't really on the same wavelength. I think Kev had the ball a couple of times, didn't play him in, but I think that's just totally natural. It's going to take a bit of time. They need to, you know, repeat that, get there in training, kind of Kev, the others, Mares, etc. need to, you know, just learn exactly how how Harlem plays. That mm. There's naturally just not, that synergy is just not going to be there and that'll come. That's fine. I, um, think, I think there's got to be an element there of, you know, I think we we got so used to never releasing the ball early because there was never a runner mm. in behind that it's something that they kind of need to yeah I, I think it, it's not even really about training it's just about when you're on the pitch learning that that is an option now and that you know it should be something that they it's not even about looking for it they should know there will be, there should be triggers for when they should know in certain scenarios Haaland's running in behind here and the right ball will um will definitely we've just we we just we've played like we've played so not vertical football for the last two years. Mm. Whereas 
you know, earlier under Pep when we had Raz, Aguero, Sane, we did play a lot more like that, kind of back to front. So that's going to, that, yeah, that's, that was kind of noticeable, but I think that'll come um, just because, you know, Kev, that, that's quite a natural game for Kev anyway, to be fair, to play like that. So Absolutely. I, I think he'll, he just needs to slightly get out of, out of um, false nine program. Um, and I think the other thing was, it was really noticeable that we had a lot of cut in FC. So Cancelo looking to kind of come inside, Grealish looking to cut inside, Mara's looking to cut inside. So it was, I think the, 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 the one thing was really obvious and that does need solving is we need that left back option. I mean, um, you know, some people got a bit asked when I said in my column that we're, we're short at left back. Lads, we don't, we don't have one. Like, I know Cancelo plays there, but he's a right back. So we just, we need that option, someone that can go down the outside. I think that will help Grealish. Um, I know it's quite a simple thing to say, but I do think it's true. Um, so yeah, I think that for me is probably the big, the big problem where we sit now today on Friday. Um, okay. but, yeah, I, I didn't see much that worried me kind of long term, to be honest. Mm. I think, you know, the only other thing, Joe, I'll throw this over to you. Um, I think Laporte injury is a little bit of a uh, a worry, uh, just in the sense that there is talk that, that he won't be back until September. And even that feels quite, um, you know, it's not like Guardiola's putting a date on it. It really does feel like they're sort of going, you know, he'll be back sometime in September. We don't really know. When and also we don't really know the nature of the injury. It almost feels as though they're they're trying to keep under wraps what's what's up with him. So I think that's that's the other thing that I do kind of look at and go, it's a little bit of a worry. Um, but yeah, just go to go back to the community shield. Firstly, um, anything that you learned from that or you didn't learn from that? I think a few things struck me. I mean, the first one was um, there's obviously. Clearly, after two years, still a subconscious level within the players of, of the false nine system, whereby runs were happening off the ball and their inclination was to come inside again. I think Gundogan did it a few, a few times in the second half, but that'll come as, as they become accustomed to the new players and the new style. Um, I thought just releasing that final ball when those runs did happen, specifically from Haaland, we looked pretty rusty. Um, I think... Kevin could have probably put him through about two or three times in the first half. In it. Um, and the exciting aspect I took from it was, I think it was right, once Alvarez came on and Haaland was there and Foden was there, I, I got a lot of like 17, 18 Sane Sterling vibes in terms of them attacking the, the space um, in behind that Liverpool defence. Um, and I think there was one element just to kind of back up my point about the, the subconscious false nine playing. Um, I think they both went um, and Gundogan just naturally came back inside with the ball um, halfway through the second half. Yeah. And it was like acres of space in behind. So it's exciting times once we kind of recalibrate back to releasing that ball quickly. Um, I think you're going to see a, a City team that... Despite people talking about lack of pace from from wingers, I think the pure pace I saw from Alvarez and Haaland were, were really going to hurt teams in behind, uh, which is something we probably lacked a bit, uh, even with the likes of Sterling over the last few years since we've had this false nine system. Mm, definitely. And I think, look, I mean, we'll discuss it later when we preview the West Ham game, but I do think Guardiola has got a selection conversation to be had um, because I do think that, you know, Alvarez and Foden when they came on, completely changed the complexion of of our attack. And we just looked 
much more capable of getting in behind them and much more dynamic and much more dangerous. Um, and that's, for me, that's a little bit of a worry. I think that, you know, you naturally would, you'd be looking at Grealish and Mahrez with their, with their experience and their pedigree. Um, and the fact that they've had full pre-seasons more or less to be, uh, to be, you know, really firing, but it was only a, it was only a, a, a pre-season friendly, regardless of how much uh, the Scousers celebrated it after uh, after they'd won. Um, so, boys, I, I want to have a little chat about Cucurella, uh, the sixty-three million pound left back, um, and City's strategy around that, and just generally, I I feel as though. I find myself really sat on the fence in that I can see both sides. I can see both those people that are being highly critical of City and going, you should have seen this coming and you should have a left back in already. And I can also kind of see people on the other side of the fence going that that's kind of how transfers work. I mean, in an ideal world, of course, you want your players in very, very, very quickly. But there is always a little bit of a negotiation and a haggle. And I think, you know, from the outside, it can sometimes feel like, well, just pick up the phone and talk to them and make an offer. But, you know, selling clubs, the smartest thing they can do sometimes is just say nothing and let the, the buyer keep coming back and keep bidding. Um, Lloyd, where do you sit firstly on 63? Do you think we should have paid the 63? So six, 63 is a lot and feels too much, to be honest. Um so kind of retrospectively and looking at it now, I can, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, I, it's difficult. I don't care really on the money from, because it's not my money and I don't get that attached to it, but that seems like a lot of money. Um, the impression, you know, kind of a week ago was if we paid in around 50, then that would close it. And for me that, that felt fine. Um, I don't think that was too OTT. I mean, it might be slightly above what you'd want to pay, probably. He's probably more around 40-ish, but it's such a problem, and we've created a bigger problem for ourselves by selling Zinchenko that I just thought, you know what, we're a week out from the season. Let's get this done. Why are we haggling over 10 million? You know, amortise that. Let's get Stefan to amortise it to 2 million a year. Yeah, that that doesn't feel like too much of a problem. But sixty three and kind of how they've haggled with um, with Chelsea, I can kind of you know it's, it's giving a bit more colour, I think, to the to the negotiation and the situation, and that seems a bit more unpalatable to me. Um, I think that, like you said at the, at the top, I think the problem is more, you know, City have shown themselves to be not very good at sussing when. Um, the other party at the negotiating table isn't bluffing or is holding their kind of holding their own and I think we probably should have sussed a bit earlier that Brighton weren't going to bend because you know we sold Zinchenko in I think it was deal was agreed on the 20th of July um, and we've obviously known that we want to sign a left back for a long time so I think the the learning really and the, the point that's a bit frustrating is they probably should have sussed such that it was not a go earlier and moved on to other targets earlier and then we wouldn't be going into West Ham without a left back. But, you know, there's still I suppose there's still twenty five days of the of the window left. Um it just it's just slightly frustrating that 
you know, we, we haven't got them in and I think there's a catch for a 20, preseason. I think there's a catch twenty two in that though, in that, you know, when you've and City like to generally have a a, a clear number one target that they go after. And I think that when you set your stall out in that fashion from the very beginning where you go, he's really the guy that we want and we're going to go as far as we possibly can do uh, in the negotiation. I think when that breaks down, you can't move immediately because I just think that, you know, if you just for argument's sake, let's say that they want to sign the lad from Wolves and I've not got a clue who they want to sign, but let's just say it's the guy, it's the guy from Wolves. Why would Wolves not say 50 million? Because ultimately it's pretty clear that, a Chelsea have set the 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 bar and the market along with Brighton in terms of what it's going to cost to get a fullback out of a Premier League club. And B City the the sellers will know. Well, City are desperate here. They wanted that guy, and they they're not going to they didn't get him. So now they have to scrabble around, so to speak. And you know, I just I think that once the longer you, you go, though, the more desperate you get. So I think the further it runs, the more that becomes a problem. Though is is I think the issue. Um, mm. But the, the earlier you have that conversation where obviously people know that you're looking for one, I think the less you'll be over a barrel. Whereas, you know, yeah, the, that's the fair. deeper we get into August, the, the, it's a much bigger problem. Yeah, no, that's, I think I think that's fair. But I, I, one word answer from you, Lloyd. Do you think we'll sign a fallback before the window closes? I fucking hope so. <laughs> Sorry, that was four words, but yeah. So that's all right. Four words and an expletive. I like it. I like it. Um, Joe, starting okay. with the same question for you, should we have paid the 63 for Cucurella? No, absolutely not, because then it just sets the precedent, doesn't it? Mm. For every other player you go in for, I think it's a, a clear example of Todd Bowley's inexperience, and he's absolutely had his pants down, hasn't he? Mm. Um I think what it what it does represent is that I don't think it's necessarily City, um, you know, the old school. You go in with one fee, expecting the party to meet you halfway. I think it's more a case with this and with Harry Kane last summer is that they put too much faith in what the, the agents of these players tell them that that clubs will allow their client to go for. Mm. Um, you know, you read things again that um, Cucurella had some sort of arrangement that if a top six club came in for him, they'd let him go for X amount. Well, City have obviously, my reading of it is, gone into these negotiations believing that that to be around 40 million, probably on what they've been told by Cucurella's um, management team. And Brighton have said, no, <laughs> he's got a five year contract you've paid 50 million pounds for fullbacks in the past regardless of what what you view your reasons for paying that um we're not selling him um and then to exasperate matters we've obviously believed that to be kind of an elaborate bluff and stuck to our principle it's wasted valuable time we've let zinchenko go um and then chelsea have come in and brighton have you know as i just said absolutely played a blinder and got even more than they probably could have ever hoped for so I think they've been you know, vindicated haven't they ultimately they've, they've, they've been hugely vindicated in a way that Daniel Levy wasn't last summer because Levy didn't get you know ultimately he kept the player but he didn't get anywhere near the fee that, that they were talking about and I think that from Brighton's perspective I think the big thing here is that they're vindicated because they're like well we got 63 million so you know your your thirty or thirty five million pound valuation was was lunacy. 
Absolutely. I mean, in the end of the day, they've, they've paid £15 million for a player 12 months ago from Katafe, and then they've sold him for 62, 63 million quid. It's, uh, you know, it doesn't get much better from, from a selling standpoint. But no. I think um, City need to just learn lessons, I think, in that. Obviously, we have a way from doing things, and, and I'm, I'm never going to criticise it because I did a tweet yesterday. Our executive team have delivered four of the last five titles um, with our manager, um, and we do get it right much more often than we get it wrong, despite what you read on Twitter. Um, so I think we just need to maybe be a bit more stern and not as naive. I think when we, we obviously agree terms with players, um, which is the standard way of doing business these days in football, uh, mm. before the deal is agreed with the club. Um, but I think we put too much faith in what agents tell us a club will let their player go for. Especially you know what I think it. Contract. You know what I think it is. I think that there's an element of. I don't think it's naivety. I think that actually it's 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 confidence stroke overconfidence. I think that City's point of view generally in the transfer market is we're relaxed. Whatever happens, because we've got Pep Guardiola, and I think that mm. for the last five titles almost vindicates that attitude because more or less every summer for the last four or five years at the end of the window we the supporters are dissatisfied about something and we are pointing at something and going we could be stronger here and we could be stronger there but we've delivered the title in four out of out of those five seasons so I think that's the I think that's the general the general vibe at sea it's always where we're relaxed yeah I think that's a fair comment, um, but obviously, I don't think we we can say if we're being truthfully honest right now in the situation we find ourselves in. Um, and if you believe, I think Paul and um, Sam Lee did a piece in the Athletic yesterday where they said Pep's, you know, rightly probably not one hundred percent comfortable with the balance of his team now. Um, so they do need to get a move on because I do believe we will sign a fullback. I don't think we'll we'll go into. Um, this season with a World Cup interrupting it and, and all the games that we're going to be playing catch up on without one. Mm. Um, but we um, we need to, I think, this this relaxed stance, it works to a degree, but I think you've got to be 100% able to, to quickly shift to plan yeah. B. I agree. It doesn't work. I agree. I think that, I think ultimately um, th- this situation is binary uh, in that if they go and they sign a left back in the next two weeks, fine. You know, you, you didn't get your first choice, but you've got a player in that you rate. Um, and Pep's record of, you know, in terms of improving players and working with players means that I'm almost not too concerned about, you know, whether Tactico on Twitter thinks that this player is excellent or not excellent. I think the the point is that if they bring a player in, then they rate him. <clears throat> and I think that that's... Uh, that's almost uh, almost enough for now. Um, look, gentlemen, what we're going to do is we're going to hand over to Mr. Howard Hawking, who's talking to James Jones, the West Ham fan, uh, to get the West Ham view on on the match on Sunday. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to frighten the life out of the pair of you by reading some freshly baked quotes from joseph guardiola about bernardo silva's future so just uh just bear with me here's mr howard hocking and we'll be right back 
Uh, to discuss this weekend's match, I'm delighted to be joined by James Jones, Hammers fan and co-founder of the We Are West Ham podcast, to discuss the new season and the big match on Sunday. Uh, hi, James. How are you doing? Are you uh, ready for a new season? All good, thanks, Howard. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad pre-season's over. We can get get uh, back to the proper, the proper meaningful type of football that we all love. <laughs> are you not a fan of the the summer break? No, no. no I think- <laughs> I think, I mean, obviously it's good for, you know, it's good to, for the players to come back and, you know, yeah. build up fitness and, you know, for managers to try tactics. But from a, from a fan's point of view, I think fans get too wrapped up in the results and kind of lose sight of the fact of actually what preseason is for, which is, has nothing to do with how many goals you score or the actual results of the games. Um, and I just find, yeah, it's, it can be, it can be quite misleading in terms of, um, expectations for the coming season. Yeah. Well, the fallout from the glorified friendly that City lost on Saturday, I think, yeah. is proof of that. So, <laughs> but we will see if that carries on into uh, the season itself. The the issues that we brought up. Uh, let's obviously talk West Ham then. What are your expectations for the, the season coming? Do you have any, or are you just going to see what happens? Because outsiders' view, you are a club on the up for me. But of course, mm. without the money or of like City or United, or you know, it is baby steps a lot of the time. Do you expect to progress season by season? Have you got big expectations and a lot of hope for the season that's coming up? I think, I think, given the success we've had over the last two seasons in particular, I think just around the fan base, there is an element of expectation that we would at least repeat what we did last year in terms of you know finishing in the top eight of the Premier League. Mm. I think that has to be the goal now. Um, last year was, although we finished one one place lower in the Premier League, um, obviously the, the the journey to the Europa League semi-final was beyond anyone's expectations, really. And that's just added an element of uh, expectation amongst the fan base, which I suppose is fair enough. You know, we've, we've now found ourselves in a position which we're not particularly used to, but it's a position that we were promised to promised by the by the owners when we moved stadium. Hmm. So now it's like, okay, well, we've got to, We've got the European football in the bag. We're, we're beginning to compete, you know, for top four, top six, top eight. Now we've got to stay there. And that's now the expectation amongst the fan base that we, that we at least compete and we don't just slip into old habits and slip back into bottom half of the table relegation battle, which I don't think will happen. But um, I think top eight and a good cut run, if it's in Europe or domestically, that's fine. And I think we will be happy hammers again. How... Big was it for you to be in European competition last season? I mean, I remember it's the old days now. I think City got in through the had to get in through the Fair Play League on at least yeah. one occasion to play European football. Uh, it didn't last very long when we were in it a lot of the time, but it still meant so much to play in Europe. So, and more to the point, <laughs> uh, the Europa League is probably and the Conference League by definition is probably a lot more fun than the Champions League, to be honest. So. Especially for uh, travellers, those that go to the away games. So, yeah, how yeah. big was it for you? It, it was massive. It was, as I said before, like getting as far as the semi final was, you know, beyond any expectations when we mm. qualified. Um, we, we've had brief, you know, we flirted with the Europa League in the past. Obviously, there was, you know, we lost to uh, Romanian side Astra two years running in the qualifiers um, immediately after we moved into the London Stadium. Um, and it was like, well, you know, we haven't really competed in the Europa League. We haven't got to the group stage yet. So being able to play in the group stage and actually properly experience a European campaign, albeit being the Europa League, 
um, was just great. It was almost like, oh, it's just great to be here. You know, it's great that finally mm. we've we've reached a point where, the, as I said before, the, the owners had promised us that we'd get as part of the stadium move. And then we did what we did and we went on that incredible journey and it, it was just so much fun. You know, I, I went over to Leon. I was there and beat Leon 3-0 in that second leg court final. And yeah. It was by far one of one of the best experience I've had as a West Ham fan. Um, and I don't, it, it will take a lot for it to be topped just because we went into that game just on, it was one on the, from the first leg with Cresswell suspended. We just didn't expect anything to, at all. I thought we'd lose. And so to go out there and win 3 0 and get to a semi final, it was like, when is this going to end? I don't want it to yeah. end. But when is it going to end? It was just fantastic. And it's addictive that sort of, you know, playing in Europe and, and winning in Europe. I found it very, very addictive. So, um, I really hope that we do well, even if it's the Conference League this year. I hope we go go deep in that competition as well. So, is it fair to say the statue of David Moyes right now is <laughs> as high as it's ever been? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> it, it, again, it's another it's another weird part of uh, being a West Ham fan at the moment is that you know when he returned, well, coming up to three years ago, and um, fans were like, "Why have you brought him back?" Like, what, what you know, we just sacked Pellegrini. Pellegrini was brought in to replace him. They should never have sacked Moyes in the first place, really. Hmm. Um, they wanted a big name manager, they got Pellegrini, and that didn't work. And so they went back to David Moyes, and all the fans were like, What are you doing? Why have you brought him back? And it turned, it's turned out to be a bit of a masterstroke because he's turned us into from relegation contenders to top six and, and Europa League semi finals. And, and the fans absolutely adore the man, and um, purely because of what he's given us over the last two years. Uh, I think it might be a bit too early for a statue, but if he keeps <laughs> if he keeps doing what he's doing and keeps taking us to places we never thought we'd see ourselves be, then it it'd probably it might be a few years off. But he's um, it, it, certainly working his way towards one. Yeah, a couple of things you might be less enthusiastic about the owners. Yeah, have you cooled at all with them, or because that that's the problem problem with owners sometimes uh, is that when the team plays well, we as fans tend to forget that the owners that doesn't mean the owners are doing a great job mm. uh, have you have you warmed them at all or have the old issues still remain I think this this no it's not beat around the bush the fans want the owners to go as quickly mm. as possible they want they want them out I want them out everyone wants them out um, because <laughs> a lot of a lot of the stuff that they have done as owners of the football club um, are, you know, unforgivable. You know, the, the stadium move and the nature of the stadium move, um, you know, it doesn't matter. We could go on and win the Premier League and the Champions League and that would still be an unforgivable act that they did in terms of pulling us away from Upton Park and putting us into London Stadium, um, which at the time, it's a little bit better now, um, but at the time just was not fit for purpose at all for the first year or two. It was not fit for purpose. It's getting there. Um, and, uh, the fans just don't forget something like that. Yeah. And, you know, and when you couple that with particularly the early stages where poor transfer, uh, recruitment, poor strategy, you know, countless relegation battles, countless, um, uh, poor managerial appointments, things like that. It was just, it was just one thing after another for so long. And, um, you know, I know that there are support groups that are looking to, you know, probably set up more. Uh, protests in the future to get mm-hmm. them out. We have had recent recently had investment um, which suggests that um, they're sort of we're in the stages of yeah they'll probably be gone within a couple of years. But yeah, sooner rather than later, I think in the in the eyes of many fans. 
As for the ground, uh, obviously City moved into the City of Manchester Stadium, I think is what it was called at the time. Uh, we dug down and took the track out. So you said there's been some improvements at the ground since you've got there. What what improvements have been made? And if the track's there, will it always be... Will that always be a hindrance if there's a... Yeah, it doesn't feel like a football stadium in a way. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, they've squared off the, the stands behind the goals. Right. Um, and... They've increased the capacity. I think when we moved in, it was 56,000. I think this year it's 63. And next year it's going to be 66, I believe. Um, It may already be 66 this year. I can't remember. But things like that just kind of bring fans a little bit closer to the stadium. The wide gaps on either side are still there on the the touch lines. But um, there there are rumours that whoever does eventually buy the club um, will also look to buy the stadium and, and kind of, I don't know whether they'll knock it down and start again, but they'll make serious, I think, you know, I think the running track will eventually go. Um, but it's just as what, it's been six years, five and a half, six years. Wow. Um, six, I, I think it's almost <laughs> seven years, six yeah. and a half years. Um, in that time, we've seen sort of gradual improvements. The match day experience is a hell of a lot better now than it was when we first moved in. And to be fair, a lot of that is down to, you know, what's going on on the pitch and the success that teams had over the last two years. Mm. Um, you know, last year was obviously first full year back in, in the grounds after COVID. But, you know, there are there were countless days there where it really did feel like home because we were, we were getting big wins, big performances against big teams. Um, and I always said when we first moved in, you know, it's not going to feel like home until we have memories to, to look back on in that place. Yeah. And, and now we do. So it's getting there. It's getting there, but exactly. you know, it's not up to par. You build the memories, don't you? Slowly exactly. but surely. Uh, 66,000. Uh, I've no idea how deep your fan base goes. Uh, often compared to City fan base wise, uh, a lot of time, will that sell out for pretty much, you know, all league games and the like? It will sell out, um, for particularly the big games. Yeah. So, you know, the visit of City. 100% the Tottenham game will sell out. Mm. Um, any any big games that they'll sell out within minutes, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the lesser games um, against, you know, relegation candidates and the smaller clubs might not cut games and, and such. But, you know, we, we've got enough fans in the in England and obviously globally to be able to fill, yeah. you, know, fill like, like, you know, two of those stadiums really. Um, you know, we do have a, a very large fan base, but obviously... Now the football's good. You've got more chance of selling your tickets rather yeah. than when we're in relegation battles and everyone was unhappy. Yeah. Well, let's look at the team then. Uh, summer signings. How happy are you with them? Uh, who are you most excited about? And I guess um, a follow-up question is, are you still waiting on more? Are there still areas to be, you know, that need some attention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, first and foremost, we desperately need a striker. It was well documented yeah. last year that, you know, having just Antonio as your, as your only striker just isn't good enough, particularly if you're trying to win a European Cup. Um, and that costs us in the end. Um, so we've got Skamaka in. He looks like, you know, he's very, very highly rated in Italy. It's very, um, very high. <laughs> very high as well. He's very tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six um, foot five, I think he is. Six yeah. five. Yeah. And he's, he, he's, he's a very, very good player. You know, I'm, I'm excited about him, but at the same time, just wary that whether he, how, how long it's going to take to settle in England, um, mm. and whether he can really kind of hit the ground running. We need him to hit the ground running. Mm. Um, but the business so far has been good. So we've got the striker in Ag- Agued, the, the centre half is a very, very good centre half, but he's injured. He's just had ankle surgery. So he's going to be out for a few months. Oh, right. 
And then we got Ariola in. Obviously, we had him on loan last year, so that's fine. And then and then Flynn Downs from Swansea, who is another promising young midfielder from the championship. And we seem to be pretty good at buying from the championship. So it, so far, it's been good, but. At the same time, so far it hasn't been enough. You know, we desperately need cover at left back. We've just loaned Masuaku. <laughs> Welcome we, to my world, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've we, we just loaned Masuaku, who's Creswell's understudy to Besiktas. I think that's going to go through today. Um, yeah. So we're going into Sunday with just Creswell uh, as left back, um, unless we can get someone in before then. But they're not going to be ready in time. So that's one area we probably need. Um, another striker, I would say, because yeah. if Antonio gets injured, then you're left with just Skamaka. You're almost back to square one on that, in that front. So there's still, I'd like to see us make three or four more signings in key areas, but the business so far has been good. Just need to do more. Any regulars from last season who have left? Because that ties into my next question. Do you feel you're going into the season stronger than you started last season? I think we're going stronger. Yarmolenko left. He was released. Um, he was good off the bench and obviously he was a bit of a hero and a couple yeah. of times last season, particularly in the Europa League. Um, but his contract was up. See, Mark Noble, um, you know, although he wasn't playing much last year, his yeah. influence off the pitch is very, very difficult to replace. Um, obviously, he's retired now. So, you know, he's a big he's a big loss off the pitch in particular. But other than that, you know, we've... It, 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 it's the same squad, just with essentially three new faces so far. Uh, obviously, happy to hang on to Declan Rice for now as well. Yeah. And it seems no. like the rumours have gone away. Right, They've gone it? away. They've gone away. I think that's because a lot of a lot of the clubs that were interested in them have realised that you know, West Ham aren't going to budge on that asking price, mm. um, which I think is £150 million. A lot of people have sort of turned their noses up at that, but to West Ham, he's worth £150 million at, at the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, if not more, he's so important to us. He's now been he's been given the armband obviously since Mark Noble retired. He's the official club captain now. But this is unless we can win a trophy this year and show progress and show ambition in the transfer windows, then this will be his, our last season with him. He, he will go next summer unless we can really show that this he can do what he wants to achieve in his career by staying at West Ham i.e. winning trophies and, and playing in World Cups for England, um, which he should do anyway, regardless. But um, we've got to do a lot this season to convince him to stay. Yeah. And the only way you do that is if you win you win trophies or finish in the top four. Um, and it's going to be very difficult to do. So, But we're delighted to keep him for at least one more year. He's just just incredible. Well, superb player, superb bloke. And um, yeah, very proud to be able to call him a West Ham player. Do you think anyone would ever pay £150 million? Pounds? Or do you no. think eventually that'll, he'll go for a bit less than that? I think, it'll go, I think he'll go for 100 eventually. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, got, I've got the feeling West Ham will time down to a new contract just to protect his value a little bit after the window, the transfer window's closed. I think he'll sign a new deal or they'll make him the highest paid player or something like that. Mm. Um, but he will go for £100 million. I think he'll be a £100 million pound player eventually. Yeah. Uh, probably this time next year. So let's look to the match. It's Sunday, half four, I think. Uh, would have preferred a Saturday start, but at least it's on Monday yep. night. Now, of course, the penultimate game of last season, you were the match of City, to say the least, if not more so. Uh, how do you think this game will pan out then? It's asking you the impossible question for the first game of the season, of course. Yeah. Uh, do you see West Ham posing similar problems this time around? I, th- I think so. I watched, I mean, our pre-season has been relatively underwhelming 
Um, I know at the beginning I said, you know, results don't really matter, but um, you, you still like to see kind of some promising signs mm. as the preseason games go on. Obviously, once they get fitter and fitter and you know, you're coming nearer to the beginning of the season, we haven't really seen that. Um, it has been relatively underwhelming. Haven't you, seen a lot to get excited about. You, but have, then, see, you have seen a preseason, though. You've played seven games, haven't you? Well, yeah. City yeah. played three. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. But then I, I watched City Liverpool at the weekend in the Community Shield, and I felt like there's still a hell of a lot of work to be done at City. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, finding you know finding a way to make it work with Haaland up front is one big thing that Pep's got to get right. Um, and his, you know, him working with De Bruyne um, and the fitness levels as well. I felt like City were just a little bit off the pace. And that's as a result, you're only paying three friendlies, obviously. So I feel like we can we can go into this game with a little bit of confidence that we can cause City problems like we did last season. Yeah. Um, one thing Moyes has done, uh, and I'm probably going to jinx it now, but he has made us very, very difficult to beat. Whereas normally we go into a City game and be, be happy if we can keep it down to three or four nil. Now we go into City game, a, game, a game against Man City and think, you know, we've got an opportunity here because, you know, we know how to hurt Man City because um, we've done it before. And I think given the fitness levels at City compared to ours, I, I think I think we'll cause problems. Yeah. Um, so so cool. your last game was, was it Lons? No, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Did you see a level, obviously, not what you could take from a nil-nil pre-season game, but did the team look match fit? And also, I know you said that, Aguero is it? Is out injured? Yeah. Have you generally got a, a clean bill of health for the squad as well uh, for David Moyes to pick from going into this game? It, it, the game against Lawns was difficult because um, we had a number of first team players who weren't there. Antonio wasn't there. Skamaka didn't didn't feature. Uh, Aguero's injured. Uh, Ogbonna played for the under twenty ones. He's just come back from ACL injury. Um, who else was in? Uh, there was a few other first team players that weren't involved because mm. of worrying niggles that they were like not going to risk him too soon. So it's difficult to really read much into the the, the draw with Lons because it wasn't a full strength starting eleven. Um, and so we do have a couple of little injury worry, injury worries, particularly in defence. Uh, but going forward, it's it's the same West Ham, you know, Bowen causing all sorts of havoc mm. um, down that right hand side, and um, you know, four hours just being a workhorse in midfield, Suchek and. Declan Rice doing what they do in midfield. So, so yeah, it's it's pretty much going to be the same thing. It's just wh- what happens in defence and whether players are fit enough to start. How proud were you to see Boat get into the England side as well? So. Oh, yeah, fully deserved. Fully deserved. And um, it's amazing having seen him just rise to, to the level that he has risen over the last couple of years. And um, it's so good to see him see him play. But on the back of 50 games... Uh, or 50, 52 games I think you played last season um, I'm much preferred to have a full summer's rest rather than play three rubbish internationals for England yeah. in June but um, he 100% deserves it He's um, he was so important to us last year and I'm pretty sure it'll be the same this year and he's another one we don't achieve anything this year and we go start going backwards he's another one we're going to find it very difficult to hold on to mm. I think the key point we have yet to mention about Sunday is that Mike Dean is on VAR duty for the first time. I thought he'd, I thought he'd retired. He's retired as a referee. He's now he's now the video referee who will be oh, making the, the big decisions on Sunday Lovely. afternoon's game. So it just ruined my day, Howard. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with that? 
how is he going to turn that into theatre when he's not on the pitch? He'll, he'll find a way. He he'll will find a way. a way, yeah. Uh, right, well, time has defeated us, so thanks for talking to us. Uh, I always end. Uh, I'd like to end when we do these. Some people hate doing this with a score prediction uh, for the game on mm-hmm. Sunday. Well, I'm going to go 2-2 like last season. I think it'll be a good game. Mm. I think will cause problems, and you know there'll be City will dominate possession, but that's that's what we like. We like to kind of let the other team dominate and and us uh, and use the counter attack and and set pieces to 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 damage teams. So I think that's the way it will go, um, and it'll be two two. Yeah, and you said about the nickels. Did you uh, do you not expect there to be any new signings that start the match for West Ham? Do you think we'll see a very similar team to that lined up against City at the end of last season? I think you probably you, you might even see the same the same yeah. team. Um, th- there are question marks over whether Ariola will, will start over Fabianski now. Now he's signed full time permanently. Um, but other than th- that question mark, given the injuries and Skamaka still not literally only what he's only been been at the club for ten days. Mm. Um, but that will depend on Antonio's fitness. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's very close to the same starting okay. eleven as last season. I do have an inkling for a draw. Uh, Q Manchester's City Twitter meltdown because we <laughs> dare drop points <laughs> on the first day of the season. Uh, I don't know if you know that we beat, uh, we lost to Spurs on the opening day. Yeah. Last season, season before, we won at Wolves 3 1, but ran out of steam about an hour in. We yep. pretty much hanging on. Then lost 5 2 at home to Leicester and drew 1 all at uh, Leeds, where we were lucky to get a draw, to be honest. This is Pep's way. Going a bit undercut because it's a very, very long season. It's worked, but we do not always start the season well. We could have done without this game. But I'm going to start the season with huge optimism and go for a very tight, nervy 2-1 win to City. So um, I'm sure I'll have that optimism knocked out of me in no time, <laughs> just by going on Twitter on any day. Uh, James, thank you very much for popping on uh, to, have, to have a chat. My pleasure. Yeah, and after Sunday, I hope you have a wonderful season and enjoy it with West Ham in Europe and at home. So, yeah, thank you very much. much. Cheers. And, yeah, we'll get back to the panel to discuss the big game on Sunday. And welcome back. That was Howard Hocking chatting to James Jones to get the West Ham view uh, on the match on Sunday. Right, Lloyd, you with me here? I am. Do you want me to read these quotes out to I've you? I've seen them. Good God. <laughs> Ugh. Pep Guardiola on Bernardo Silva. At the end, for the club, the players, the agents, we have to divide our path. The player's desire is the most important thing, and I want players to be happy. Of course, I want Bernardo to be here, but I don't know what is going to happen. Honestly, I don't know. What will happen will happen. And if in the end he has to leave, it's because football is like this. And I don't want to be a person to stop the desires of the people. Any comments to make? Come on, Pat, what are you doing, Matt? Um Yeah, I mean, oh, God, an offer's coming, isn't it? Yes. Um, whether it's enough that um, it's going to make us sell, I don't know, but... Bernardo wants to leave, it's pretty obvious. Uh, I think you've got your head in the sun if you haven't realised that by now. Um, I think it's literally whether it's a fee that we can agree with. Um, I think they're going to get there. I just, I, I think that, I think we've, 
I think we got a problem here. And I think that the problem here is that Bernardo Silva is clearly intransigent in his desire to leave and to get to Barcelona. And that puts us in an incredibly vulnerable position because, you know, I, I'm pretty confident right now that what's going to happen is they're going to find 80 million euro all in. So it's going to be one of those deals of like, you know, we'll pay you 40 now and then we'll pay you 40 over the next 40 years or something ridiculous like that. And Bernardo's going to go, I demand that you accept it. I want out of here. And then we're just, sounds like we're just going to go, all right, off you go. Um, wow. Um, honestly, my head's gone a little bit reading those, reading those quotes. I did not need those to come in whilst I was uh. hosting the first Friday show of the, uh, of the season. Um, so look, Lloyd, mm. very quickly then, if Bernardo Silva, you would presume, because this is being telegraphed and has been telegraphed all summer, you would presume City have got a plan here, haven't they? If Bernardo goes, they buy a football. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, not to not to response, not to say what I said before, but I fucking hope so. <laughs> In it. Um, the guy, I mean, the guy is one of the first names on the team sheet. So, you can, I mean, yeah, but you can't separate that from his clear desire oh, no, to no, leave, what, which is beginning to get on my last nerve. Do you know what, what I mean? mean no, like, what I mean he's is, a, you know, they, if they're going to let him leave, then they need to literally press play on whoever, whoever 100%. else they think can do the job because, I mean, he is absolutely critical to how we play. So, you know, you can't allow someone like that to leave and go, oh, don't worry, you know, Gundo's going to take the mantle or, you know, is going to play and he's obviously gone to Sheffield United so I mean yeah it's a huge problem to me it feels I mean I, I just would not sell Bernardo this summer it's just not something we need to be doing um, it's just I just think it's too much churn and it would mean that we need to sign a starting centre mid and a left back with 25 days to go and the season already started so Yes, that's. I think. I think it's a big problem, and I think it will affect my confidence on how kind of strong we'll be this season if we if we let Bernardo go. Yankees that crucial to how we play. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's a big problem. Joe, um, where do you stand on the sort of? This this general policy, obviously, that Pep's got, if I only want players who are happy and if somebody wants to leave, bring the offer and you can go. I said earlier in the summer, there has to be a line with that. Like, for example, when the season starts, you've got to go, right, well, I'm not selling anybody now. It doesn't matter if you want to go and you brought the offer. It's too late. Um, do you think that this is taking the policy to the extreme if we let Bernardo go in the last week of the window, for example? Um, I think... <clears throat> it's clear as day to me that it, where Bernardo's concerned is that there's clearly some sort of gentleman's agreement last summer um, where we essentially said um, you know when he was clearly unhappy if you can give us one more season um, and someone comes in for you next summer we will let you go i.e. Barcelona I think the problem from our perspective is Barcelona have had such been in such a financial mess and they're doing these financial levers that it means that they're coming late in, in the window in terms to answer your question of, of the policy um, I'll be honest as, as, as a 
taking Pep out of the equation as a Manchester City supporter, no, I'm not happy with it because it does mm. leave us short. Um, but I think the reality is it's it's it, it just breeds into Pep's mentality when you've read about him and how he, he likes to work with condensed groups of players and he, he wants a happy camp. You've seen how he's handled players who don't necessarily fit into that structure in the past. I always feel like he wants a certain atmosphere and wavelength in his dressing room and the club seems to operate based on, on his modus operandi. So he, to me, seems to dictate it and... I, I don't think we'll sell Bernardo for, for 80 million euro. Um, I do think we'll extract a high fee. Um, it's just now about who in the hell do you bring in to replace him? We're so short left in the window. Um, well, look, I think you have to have, I, I think you have to have a little bit more confidence in the, in our ability to select players. And what I mean by that is, look, we, we are a club who sometimes leave it a year, right? But generally, the player we end up getting is is the right player. So I'm not, you know, I, I feel as though there is a uh, there is a line between the guy Bernardo Silva who everybody loves and the footballer Bernardo Silva. And I think I look at the footballer Bernardo Silva and respectfully, he's not irreplaceable. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I know how good he is. He's an incredible footballer on his day, but he's not irreplaceable. I think that that's, uh, uh, that is taking things a little bit too far. I think that there are absolutely players out there who, who can come in and do the job that he does. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the, the key quality with Bernardo Silva, right? It's the fact that he can run all day. And he's up and down and he's everywhere. Yeah. He's not yeah. a guy who is getting 15 assists and 15 goals. He's not really been a numbers guy. If you look at his numbers last season, they weren't enormous. Um, so you, that's not really what you're looking to replace. You're looking to replace a footballing brain and energy. And I do think that there are players out there that you can absolutely do that. We should with. be on so, De Young. That's who we should be looking at. But it's a well, you know what? It's, transfer it's so the, weird. Because of the unpaid wages. I imagine that's a bit of a problem, but he, he, should, yeah. he, he should be the guy we're looking to sign, which... It's so it's so weird because they wanted him the first time round as well. Exactly. It just, yeah. it, and, and because, I mean, I almost feel, part of me feels as though the reason that De Jong is still a, a, a Barcelona player is because he's waiting for something better, if that makes sense. Um, I, I expect that the unpaid wages thing is a good reason to sit tight because I, I feel as though if his agents had gone to United and gone, you're going to have to cover this, lads, that eventually United would have gone, all right, we'll cover it. They'd have got desperate and they'd have done it. So I do think he's waiting for something better. I just don't think City are going to go there. I think his his contract is too big. Mm. See, my, my reading of it with, with Bernardo is, <clears throat> obviously the big game, specifically when we played the likes of Liverpool, I mean, the pure energy and, and I think, you know, the 13 kilometres he ran in that famous game in January 19 when we beat them 2-1, that's where Pep, I think, values him most despite his, his clear technical ability. I think he, he you can divide his City career into different sections. I think he's had two standout seasons, being the, the year we won the domestic treble. Um, and certainly the first half of last season, but he can have lulls where he almost seems to go through the motions of the team um, and takes a backward step and his role is more around the physical work he gets through. Um, And that's probably, 
without disparaging his, his clear, incredible technical ability, that's probably easier to replace, I believe, than than the work he does off the ball. Um, mm, absolutely, that's where I see what you mean. It's difficult. I think I think Frankie De Jong, technically, I won't say he's as good as Bernardo, but he's certainly tactically as intelligent. Um, but is he going to give you that same? I mean, obviously, you have to adapt when players leave anyway as a team and, and adjust, but it's it's such a key fundamental aspect of the way Pep Guardiola sees the game and plays the game. Um, answering your original question, we just have to be realistic in that we might not like it, but we will always, no matter how important the player is to our team, if they want to go and they can bring a serious offer we'll consider, it's, it's whilst Guardiola's at the club, it's always going to be the way we're going to operate, so... Yeah, and I think it's look, the, for us, but I, I think the other thing here, yeah, I think the other thing here is is Guardiola himself. I think ultimately we know that he wanted to refresh the squad, and I think that if we were all honest with ourselves, if it's a case of do you replace Pep or do you replace the players, you replace the players, and you begin with players who don't want to be at the football club anymore. So you know, as 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 hard and as pragmatic as as that sounds it's also a reality that that I'm prepared to get behind because Guardiola's the the one I don't want to lose there's not a player in the squad that that I'd go well he stays and Pep goes so you know and just to put a positive slant on those comments as well Pep has also said in the same press conference um I've said many times I'd extend if they want it I'll stay longer so let's yeah. hope that um Oh, it's definitely coming. I think this is. I think all of this is all of all of this squad in and out reshaping. It's quite dramatic in a way, but it absolutely speaks to the idea that Guardiola isn't going anywhere. That that he is going to sign an extension at some point in the next seven or eight months. I'm I'm certain of that. Lloyd, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think the way just even if you forget Bernardo and just forget we didn't have this conversation, which I'm sure <clears throat> lots of listeners would be very happy to do, um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, the way that we've moved this summer, kind of the pieces that we've traded, the guys we've brought in, it doesn't speak of a um, of a guy in terms of Pep who's, you know, going to move on this summer. I think this is him kind of refreshing, rebuilding. If we'd have just maybe bought Haaland and kind of not fucked about with the rest, then I think it could have had like Ferguson 2012-13 vibes where it's like, right, I'm just going to let's win the league one more time, go for the Champions League and I'll sail off into the sunset. I think given Klopp's extended, Liverpool are very much here to stay. I think they're going to continue being strong. Um, I just think, yeah, the way that we're kind of refreshing the team, I, I think Pep would want to see that through and I think... Now, you know, there's a lot of players in, you know, like Foden that I think he'll want to continue to kind of manage and push forward. And, and the new guy. Exactly. And the new yeah. guy. Haaland, Alvarez. I'd even throw Grealish in like, He dropped 100 million on a, a year ago and Phillips as well. These are guys that Pep will want to, exactly. want to coach and to see it through. It, would make, it, it, would make, it wouldn't make much sense for Pep to move on now because um, all those reasons. I think also, where does he go? I think that's a, that's a big yeah. problem. Obviously, he might take a year if he was to leave City but I, I'm struggling to think of where he'd go outside of maybe Milan um, so yeah I think thankfully as Joe said there is some good news this morning that is a very positive quote um, so yeah let's let's talk about that eh? <laughs> 
Yeah. Look, I'm I'm uh, I'm. I'm I'm a, I'm realistic enough to know that, like I said before, I want to keep Guardiola among, uh, above anything else, and reshaping the squad and shaking the tree and selling players who don't want to be here uh, is exciting. I mean, it's whether you whether we like it or not, it's a reality. But it's a reality that will lead to a new team, and you know, maybe it was time. Maybe you know, it, it really was time to to shake that tree and the. The Bernardo thing, I think the only the only the only frustrating thing for me is just that it's Barcelona because I can't be asked with them. And, and beyond that, I, just just do it next summer. Like, just let's just solve this problem next summer. Um, yeah, but you know what? He, he wanted to go last summer as well. Do you know what I mean? There's a and, gentleman's agreement. I yeah, I think it wouldn't surprise me if it's been two years now of him going. I don't want to be here anymore. And you know, we're we're at that point now where it's like, well. The, this is where I want to go. This is the offer. Please let me go. And I think, I think in the end, they, they might well do. Um, look, let's, let's talk about, we didn't expect to take that detail. Anyway, Sunday, yeah, Sunday, we, uh, we, we, we travel to West Ham for the, uh, for the opening game of the, uh, of the Premier League season. We've already heard from James Jones what his, um, uh, what his take on the game will be and, and where he thinks West Ham are up to. That's a feature that we're going to try and have every Friday on the Friday show have an opposition supporter in and and get them to chat about their view before we talk about our view on the game. So looking, looking forward to to the game and to our view on the game, I want to start with something that we touched upon early when we were talking about fullbacks. Um, uh, And it's, you know, I think it's a fair question to ask, right? There seems to be a lot of negativity around Cancelo, which I find really weird when you consider how important he was for us last season, how good he was last season, there were people talking about him being the best left back in the world seven or eight months ago. And suddenly everybody's like, oh, we, we, we need a left back. We, we, we absolutely need a left back. So Joe, did we overrate him last season or are we underrating him now based on 20 minutes against Liverpool in the charity shield? Against a fully fit and firing most yeah. Um, yeah. I think people, my reading is people are projecting their frustrations of not signing a left back onto Cancelo's performance in the Community Shield. Mm. Um, I think the reality is, is it is an extremely talented player that we're looking to have fundamental to our success last year and to a smaller degree in the season before. Um, whilst he's fitting in that team, he'll do a job um, defensively. He was clearly rusty. Let's not forget we've played two, two games in pre-season, whatever it was. Salah is just one of those athletic freaks that trains all summer and probably comes back even fitter than when the season ended. Um, I've got no concerns, barring an injury. Then I have a major concern for that position. But um, in terms of him playing there, um, no, no no qualms from me. I've, I think we're blessed to have him. He's absolutely fantastic and, and creatively is exactly the type of player you want in against a David Moyes team. Um, mm. But what I would say is, I don't know what you guys think. My impression was that if we had landed Cucurella, I just had a sneaking suspicion that we're going to move um, Cancelo over to the right and start him this season as our right back with Walker maybe competing nah. with him to get back in. Nah, it's too early. I think I think you need to give whoever the new guy would have been, even if Cucurella had come in last week, 
he won't he wouldn't be starting against West Ham. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it'd be a minute before you see him. And also, I think it's one of those where whoever possesses the shirt gets to keep the shirt until they basically lose it on the pitch. And that's when the new guys get a chance. Lloyd, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think Cancelo, I mean, look, at the moment he's the starting left back. I think even if someone comes in, he'll probably be the he'll be the number he'll be the guy he'll be the number one and I think it'll take um, you know a bit of time for whoever whoever the other left back is for kind of to assimilate and you know kind of get up to speed I don't think they'll come straight in and be plug and play particularly now that they aren't going to be the number one option because obviously that was Cucurella and that's not that's not happening yeah yeah absolutely um Hey, so another another thing that I've I've seen this week, I want to I wanted to chat to both of you about is just this idea of how undercooked City are. I think again, just very quickly from my point of view, I feel as though a lot of a lot of how we feel this week has been shaped by the Community Shield. Um, so I've seen a lot of kind of talk of you know, oh City aren't ready. It's going to be the same as last season. We're going to drop points early and. I mean, obviously, we are not at peak fitness. We don't plan to be at peak fitness at the start of the season. But from my point of view, we look heck of a lot better than we did a year ago, for example. Um, Lloyd, how how undercooked do you think we are? And I'm talking very specifically about with an eye on the game against West Ham, obviously, and the idea of we have to win. Yeah, so I think... I, I don't think we're that undercooked. I think we've probably played one less preseason game than we would have liked. But I think, as we've discussed on this pod a few times over the summer, I think that has clearly been a conscious decision because of how taxing last season was, how long it was, and I think how difficult this season will be in terms of, I think the World Cup presents a massive problem. And I think obviously it presents a bigger problem for teams like City than it does teams further down the league because naturally we're going to have more of our big players are going to be at the World Cup and you know I think City have an entire squad of internationals whereas you know a lot of teams will have you know 11, 12, 13 basically every player for, for us bar probably Cole Palmer um, is a kind of fully seasoned international and you know will be playing um, you know, rigorous international football. I know Haaland won't be there, but that's because Norway haven't qualified. Um, so we're probably slightly behind where we should be, but I think we're 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 in better shape than we have been in previous seasons. Um, you know, Pep still had a pretty good amount of time with most of the players. Um, obviously the Stones, Guardiola, uh, Stones, Foden, Gundogan thing. That's probably not ideal to have. You know, three essentially starters. Uh, you know, maybe Gundogan doesn't start. Well, probably does if Bernardo leaves. Um, kind of not being in the team, but um, I think I think we're probably in a decent place to be fair. And yeah, we do need to beat West Ham, but you know, we need to beat everyone, and um, that's just natural. Hmm. Um, Joe, same question for you, really. Like when you when you when you look at the 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 charity the Community Shield performance. Um, how how do you think we're fixed going into this season, um, and in particular going into Sunday? Um, do 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 you feel it's a game that you expect City to 
it's not about being at their best or not being at their best. We know we, they won't be at their best, but is it a game you expect us to drop points in? Um, I think it's fastly turning into one of those fixtures West Ham away under Moyes, where you know the so-called bigger teams can come unstuck. Um, but ultimately, after factoring it's their first game of the season as well, so we don't know where they're at. Um, I would ideally have liked us to play maybe one or two more games in pre-season. I think you could definitely see in Liverpool that they were probably on another level in terms of, of their preparation. Um, but to answer your question, I still think we've got enough quality um, to, to beat West Ham. And I think despite the, the performance against Liverpool in patches where we did look really rusty, I think it will have done them probably better <clears throat> and to, to be chasing shadows slightly at times in that game for, for the fitness and the sharpness. So um, I'm still quietly confident that we'll have enough to get the, the job done and I'm excited to see you know how, how our new signings specifically Harland and Alvarez could it's a nice big pitch there isn't it at, at West Ham and just to kind of come back to what we were talking about before about spacing behind if we can um, unlock West Ham I think there's potential for a really good day out Lloyd uh, what are the selection headaches for, for Pep going into Sunday so I think I think selection's relatively easy outside of the two wing, wing positions I think um, so I think back four probably picks itself I'd like to see Stones but he's just I'd, I just haven't seen any minutes from Stones so I think it'll be difficult to throw him in they'll need to be really confident of his condition to play kind of Diaz Stones so I would, I would expect that Ake plays um, so I think the back four will be the back four uh, you know Walker Diaz Ake Cancelo I think the midfield three will be the midfield three um, unless Bernardo's on a plane to Barcelona I imagine it'll be him Rodri and Kev and then I think the difficulty comes with who plays out wide um, knowing Pep like I do not personally obviously <laughs> I think as good as Alvarez has looked um, you know Pep's all about hierarchy I think Mares will play, um, and I think it's going to take time for him to kind of bench Mares, so to speak. I think that can come, but I think given how Pep kind of sets up and how he likes to have that kind of hierarchical nature to his squads, I think you know Mares is going to get the beginning of the season for sure, and Alvarez will have to prove himself on the pitch to bench Mares. So I think Mares will start, and I think the the other question is, does he play Foden or, or Grealish? Um, I think he probably goes Foden because of how he played in the Community Shield and he's much more of a trusted player. But really, that's a problem for Grealish. Grealish should be starting this game. He's had the full pre-season. He looked good, obviously, in the two non-Charity Shield games. Um, so, yeah, I would imagine that Phil comes in because um, I think he did he did enough in that game. And, and to be honest... You know, when he's fit and available, Phil is Phil is one of the first names on the team sheet, and Pep knows that. And Pep's record over the last eighteen months proves that. You know, when we have big games, Phil plays. So I would I, I would yeah. expect to see Phil on the left. I think he's got a natural level of fitness as well, Foden. Where you know, I think that you you saw in the Charity Shield, but you can drop him in even if he's not necessarily had the same amount of training or the same intensity as training as uh, intensity of training as everybody else. Um, Joe, I want to go back to the centre-back conversation around Ake and Stones. Um, would you play Stones if he's fit? Just to put it, 
to, to make it very simple, because I think that the my my feeling here is that you can't get match fitness without minutes. And if you if unless you've decided that Ake and, and Diaz benches stones just because Ake's left footed, then you've got to start playing stones, haven't you? Ace and I will always play John Stones where the potential yeah. uh, presents itself. Um, I love the man, but um, in terms of, um, I think he's the most talented centre back at the club. Uh, and I think when you're playing a David Moyes team who can set in and make life very difficult for you, you need someone who who pick up that ball, move it quickly, and 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 just really directly get it through the lines uh, into the midfield. Um, I think Diaz for all his qualities. Can be a bit slow um, getting the ball out. Uh, it's I not his I, game that. It's just not his game that. Yeah, playing that he's fast. an out-and-out defender, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think um, where Ake is also good in in um, his his ball playing ability. I think Stones is just as good as anyone defensively in in world football. Um, so against a team like West Ham, I think if Stones is fit to play. I put him in and I also think Diaz plays his best football alongside him because he can mm. purely concentrate on his being a defensive animal if you will uh, and Stones mm. can just be the Rolls Royce I think they're our best partnership some may disagree and think Laporte and him are but for me it's them two um, and it'd be nice to, to get them in gear early in the season and get up and running with them together Definitely I think with with Laporte's the nature of Laporte's injury being a little bit unknown um the sooner that we get Stones and Diaz playing together, the better for me. So, you know, Sunday, as long as Stones is fit, I'd I'd, I'd be starting him and and getting those those minutes uh, into his legs. What about Grealish versus Foden for you? Who would you pick of the two on Sunday? Um, I think it's really crunch time for Grealish now. I think he's got to start this season well, and I do think he'll start him given that he's 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 been the main man in in preseason on you know out there. Um, I think Foden's obviously been in Croatia, hasn't he? Um, so hasn't necessarily trained with the rest of the team. I think we'll see a similar vibe to the Kunic Shield where Foden will be gradually introduced. Um, so I expect Grealish to start. If it was down to me. Um, I think I'd, I'd go with the rawness of, of Foden against against these rigid teams. I know I know um, Grealish made a real impact, didn't he, at the end of last season against West Ham? Uh, probably saved us actually uh, in that fixture. But I just think Foden is such a mercurial talent against teams like West Ham. I think there was a game, wasn't there, a few years ago where we were struggling against him, and he he came on uh, and scored early doors um, at the at the London Stadium. So yeah. I think Foden, if if it was me selecting a team, he'd be in. But I, I firmly expect Grealish to start, given the way preseason has gone. Mm. I think an interesting one to keep an eye on is when we played Bayern. The link up between um, Grealish and Haaland was really exciting, uh, and obviously that was off kilter again a bit against Liverpool. So I'm hoping we can kind of, if he does start those two, we, we can see um, some sort of link up because I really want to see Grealish hit the ground running this season because um, I think the pressure is going to really start mounting. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I think it's a very long season, and and we'd be it'd be folly for any of us to to take too much, if anything, from from a Community Shield performance. Um, but I just think, in terms of uh, ultimately, maybe I'm biased, but I think Foden it has to play. Foden's a better player. Simple exactly. That, really. I, I just. 
it's it's not really it's not it's it doesn't get more scientific or unscientific than that. Phone's a better footballer, so Phil should play. And I think he's a better footballer than Mares as well. So in a way, I'm not really that asked whether Phil plays on the right or the left. Um, but for me, he would uh, he would have to start on Sunday. Um, Lloyd, I mean, obviously, Erling Haaland doesn't feel pressure. It's very clear to me from 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 everything that I've seen and heard from him that that pressure is not something that he has to worry about any concerns about the focus on him it just in terms of you know you come out the back end of the of the community shield and you know there there, there seems to be a lot of headlines and a lot of glee around the fact that Haaland didn't score and particularly that late chance that he missed um you think he's bothered by that are you bothered by that no concerns here no i'm not i i i think i think it's a bit of a storm in a teacup to be honest um Haaland is evidently not the kind of guy that gets wrapped up in media nonsense full stop. Um, yeah, it's one game. Yeah, okay, he definitely should have scored the last one. The other two, you know, he, he got shots away, but, you know, probably wasn't what what he'd be happy with. But, mate, the guy's an animal. Like, um, And as Pep said this morning, it's, you know, really good point. He was injured at the back of end of last season. Um, obviously had muscular problems with Dortmund so he's not kind of he's not coming in to City off the back of like a really strong finish to the season given um, how he kind of struggled at Dortmund he obviously had a period off as well around Christmas so I think it's just going to take a little bit of time but I, I, I fully expect as soon as as soon as he's up and running the guy's going to just bang goals um, the track record is just is, is too much so I, I really have no concerns and I think actually Harlan will probably have found it quite funny. I think that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah. I think it's telling as well that every um, ex-striker in the media who watched him against Liverpool have all said the same thing, is that he will have no problems. He caused them yes. no end of is a problem with his movement. I mean, I took great delight when he flattened Robertson um, and got a shot off. I think that was one last year. You know when Robertson was coming around the side of him? Definitely. That, that is a chance last year that Robertson would have snuffed out straight away and we wouldn't have even got a shot off. Yeah. Whereas he's just your, your stereotypical, absolute battering ram of a number nine. He just said, get out of the way and, and got his shot off. And I think, he's, I don't see how, despite him missing that chance late on, how you can't be excited as a City fan with what you saw in that community shield with his movement and, and just just the positions he got into and that was against Van Dijk and, and Matip so I've got no concerns I think the guy's going to score bucket full of floors I think we're an infinitely better team with with Haaland just an infinitely better football team I think that you know every I echo everything that you've said I think once they once they find the wavelength once Foden Grealish Mares, KDB once they find the Erling Haaland wavelength poof it's going to be a it really is well, going to be KDB Holland link ups is oof. I mean, uh, yeah, scary. I mean, let's let's get it right. I mean, if 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 Kevin um, put him through, you know, I think there was two or three times in the first fifteen minutes, uh, and Kev was you know clearly rusty. If you put him through, you're backing him to score, aren't you? Hundred percent. So it's just like a matter of time. Yeah, and I think you know it's funny because I wonder because Kev looked really sharp in preseason for me, and I wonder whether the Community Shield um, there was just a, a little bit of rather than it being a lack of sharpness, just you know he just snatched at it a little bit because he was desperate to get him through to get him that goal. Um, I think we're going to see 
I think the link up is just going to be next level once it gets going. So um, I just, I think that's probably the most excited I've been since Guardiola has come. The idea of getting to see Haaland over the next few months, how he, how he develops with the team is, is just a, it's really a mouthwatering uh, prospect. Um, look, before we wrap this up and, 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 and do the, the futile thing of trying to predict a score, um, do we all agree that we feel as though we're heading into another 90 plus point season? From the top teams, you mean? Yeah. Or to win the league, 90 plus to win the league. I think so. I don't, I, I, look, Bernardo leaving makes me a little more nervous that there's just a bit too much churn, but you know, I think there's still a decent chance that he might not. So yes, I think City and Liverpool are strong enough. Um, yeah, okay. We probably feel a little stranger this this kind of summer than we have on others, just because we've shuffled the pack a lot more than we do. But I think Liverpool have shown over the last four seasons and kind of in the community shield that they're not going away. Um, I don't think their levels are going to drop, uh, and I would be surprised if you know eight, something around eighty five, eighty two won the league. I, I still think the levels from City and Liverpool are so high that I think we'll, we'll see 90 plus which is why as well I don't think Tottenham will will be in with a title shot because I, I just, as good as Conte is and as, you know, as good as their attacking options are I just can't see them getting to that 90 plus level hmm. Joe do you think that it actually helps to um, in terms of kind of knowing what you've got to do the job that you've got to do going into a season where you know right it's going to be 90 plus points. So effectively one, it's big pressure from game one and two, basically you've got to go into every game going, we've got to win this game. Yeah, I think it's, that's a clear definition. I think there was, um, Gary Neville always says that Ferguson in, in the United years, when teams used to pull clear of them, he used to tell his players like, don't, don't worry, they will have a lull where they drop points and we'll catch up because they always used to come stronger after Christmas. Um, mm. That's not um, in the ballpark anymore. I think with, with these two teams, I think City usually have a spell where certainly the last two seasons they've won the title over the Christmas period um, with just relentless form. I think we we stand we tend to start a bit slower um, than Liverpool, but then we just have a relentless period over usually from October to, to start of Jan. I think my concern this year is I think Liverpool really, really want that Premier League uh, again um, and they look really sharp. So I think they're going to be at it from the off um, from what I saw last week. Um, so I don't think we can afford to maybe start as slowly as we have last season and, and the year before. But I'm not going to say we're a team in transition, but we're bedding in certainly a new style of play Um and, and obviously Erling Haaland and, and we've lost a few so we're going to need to be at it because I firmly expect that Liverpool will be aiming to really pull clear because they know these periods where they've allowed us to, to kind of open a gap on them even when they've clawed it back like last season is terminal to them winning the Premier League so mm. I think look I think for me I kind of look at the, the first four weeks of the season and I go we got to grind results out. I think it doesn't really matter how we perform. We've got to make sure that we win the games because as we begin to build up ahead of steam, 
that's when we begin to look formidable. And and I kind of view this as very much about <clears throat> as much as you can, you want to break Liverpool's will and their spirit. And the way that you do that is you grind results out and then you kind of build up that head of steam where they a three-point gap feels like a chasm because City just don't look like they're ever going to drop any points. And I think that, you know, getting that... It's a, I think it's real. It's a really interesting challenge and battle between the two sides. Who gets into whose head first? Who gets ahead, and then who psychologically? Who's winning that battle? Who's applying a pre- who's applying pressure to the other side? I think the good thing is last season we we had what looked like on paper to be a big lead. It wasn't really a big lead, even though they clawed so much of it back. We ended up getting over the line and winning the league. And I think that we even with the left-back situation, um, I think we're just a much better team this season than 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 we were last season because of the additions of of, of Haaland and Phillips. Uh, yeah, I think um, the big the, the, the big change for me is I think Haaland's going to get us out of holes across exactly. the season. Yeah, I and I think that's something, exactly. that's something we've not had. Um, so I think there'll be games where we've probably dropped points. So I'm thinking like, the two Southampton Crystal games, Palace. two Southampton games last season, yeah, Strong. Palace away. You know, it won't happen every time. We'll still draw games, and you know, Harlem will miss. But I think there'll there'll be two or three occasions across the season where we would probably have dropped points, and I think he'll score a goal that gets us out of a hole, and that's a massive, massive change. Definitely, definitely. Right, gentlemen. Um, before I wrap this up, and. Uh, get you both to predict a score just for the listeners um if you're new to the night 320 podcast go to 9320pod.com check out the 9320 player four pounds a month hours and hours of content every week review after game reviews previews special pods transfer podcasts you know the drill if you're into podcasts go and check out 9320 player on the 9320 pod right joe predict the score for sunday I think it'll be cagey and clunky in patches, um, but I'm going to go for a very tight 2-1 City win with Erling Haaland grabbing the winner. Nice. Lloyd? I think they'll score. I think they'll score. Um, You know, it's the last game of the week. They'll be up for it. They've got a good team, but I think we'll get over the line. So, yeah, I can see 2-1 or 3-1, I think. Yeah. uh, I was going to go with 2-1. I don't feel confident going with with three one, but you know what? I think that uh, I think we're capable of keeping a clean sheet there. So I'm going to go with a I'm going to go with a sneaky, sneaky one nil win. A little sneaky, a little cheeky one nil with uh, with Harland scoring the winner. winner. Uh, Harland, Garby, Erling's my match winner without question. Every week I'm going to be predicting Harland to score the winner between <laughs> now and the goal. end of the season. Exactly, exactly. Right, Joe. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for having me as always. Pleasure. Lloyd, thank you very much. Cheers, boss. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was the first Friday show of the 22-23 season on the 9320 podcast. Be safe, be well, and as always, up the blues.